Hebrews chapter number 6. If you want to be turning there, Hebrews chapter number 6. And while you're turning there, I do want to remind you about this upcoming Wednesday night service. Uh, This upcoming Wednesday night is one of my favorite services of the year. Last year was my first time to be a part of uh, the outdoor service we have before Christmas. And very excited about that. We'll have the fire pits outside. We'll have the preaching and the singing outside. A lot of extra special music. So I want to encourage you to be here. But I also want to give you a little bit of extra encouragement. We have a wonderful, wonderful surprise uh, that's going to be incorporated in our service this year. Uh, it's something we were not sure if we we're going to be able to do. We we're going to do it tonight after the sing, uh, the choir special tonight, but that's been moved to next week. So we're going to do it Wednesday night. And all I can tell you is you better be here. Uh, this upcoming Wednesday night during the outdoor service, we're going to do something as far as I know has never been done here before. And I encourage you, be sure you wear some Christmas colors and be sure to bring your camera. Uh, it's going to be that good. We've been working very, very hard on it, trying to get all all of this to come together, and I promise you, you'll not see anything like this in Hattiesburg this Christmas season. So you better be here, all right? Or else you're going to hear about it next Sunday, and we're not going to do a do-over, okay? So you got to be here this upcoming Wednesday night outside. It's going to be an awesome service, and uh, we're going to have a very, very special treat for everybody, not just the kids, but for everybody. There's something for you uh, special this upcoming Wednesday night, so I want to encourage you to be here. Hebrews chapter number six, and I want you to look down, if you would, remain seated to verse number 17. Hebrews chapter number 6, look down to verse number 17. The Bible says, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Now watch closely, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge, watch this next line, to lay hold upon the hope set before us. There's our word. That's what we're preaching about the next few weeks, hope. Verse 19 repeats it again, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Watch verse 20, whither the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus. And let's stop there and let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for the privilege of being here today. And I thank you, Father, so much to be able to be back in the building. Lord, as last week, we missed being together here, but we're thankful we were able to gather all the same. And I pray that you bless those that are in the building, those that are watching via live stream today, that, Father, we would come with open hearts, ready to receive your word and ready to be changed by it. Lord, how sad it would be for us to come to your house, hear your word, not this preacher, but hear your word, And Father, leave the same way we came, for Lord, your word is quick and powerful, and it, Lord, desires to change us. That's your will for us today. And I pray we'd allow you to work a work in our lives. If there's one lost, help them to see the need for accepting Christ, that only hope that we can have for salvation. And for those that are saved, help us to cling to that hope that we have in Christ, not only in the life to come, but in the life that we live now. And I thank you for what you're going to do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Several weeks ago, as we prepared for this series, and or actually several months ago, October, we began preparing our graphics, getting our tracks and our door hangers ready for our people to go out, invite people to be a part of these special services where we are speaking and preaching on hope. Uh, we were trying to decide exactly on what the graphic was going to look like and what we were going to phrase this ser- sermon series, what the series was going to be about. And uh, the word the Lord just kept impressing upon our heart was hope. 
and how right now our world just desperately needs a little bit of hope, and it's hard to find hope anywhere. And I believe a little message we put on the back of the track was how everybody is searching for a glimmer of hope, and you can see that in the graphic that we have up here this morning and how Christ, when he was born on that first, what we celebrate Christmas Day, was that ray of light, that light in the darkness, that glimmer of hope that we're looking for. And right now in the world, it seems very, very hopeless, doesn't it? It seems like we've had one uh, hopeless venture after another, one hopeless situation after another in 2020. And right now, everybody needs some real hope. Now, last week, we looked at the fact that positive thinking is not going to cut it, is it? Uh, Positive thinking ran out probably in June or July for most of us. Optimism, as much as we like to be optimists, that probably ran out uh, somewhere along the fall. And right now, we need real hope. But here's what we've got to understand this morning. Hope has got to be real, and if hope has got to be real, it's got to be based on something, all right? You can't just say, I'm going to have hope because I decide to be positive, because after a while, positive thinking goes out the window. You know, you can't just say, I'm going to think on a positive basis or think and have a positive state of mind or I have a hopeful state of mind. I don't know if you've noticed this, but our minds can be changed, can't they? You've got to have something sure to base your hope upon. I was reminded last night when I was a kid, uh, my mom would be in a store and I'd ask mom, hey mom, can we get that? And uh, mom would say, no, no, not right now, you don't need that. Or sometimes she would say, you know, that's too expensive. And, uh, you know, time to time, kids, uh, we want things that maybe mom and dad don't have a budget for. Matter of fact, I think adults sometimes we want things we don't have a budget for. And I remember uh, asking my mom, I said, Mom, look, why don't you just write a check? I mean, you know, you just write a check. It's like printing your own money, isn't it? You just take that. I watch mom so many times. She to the grocery store. She'd pull out her checkbook, and she'd just start writing a check. I thought, how awesome is that? You didn't even have to give them cash. You just pulled out that checkbook, and you wrote out a check for $100, whatever the groceries were for. And I said, Mom, why don't you just write a check? You know, I'd like to get this new bicycle or this new BB gun. And uh, look, if you don't have the money, just write a check for it. And Mom says, that's not how this works. You know, in order to write a check, you got to have something that stands behind the check, that stands good for the check, in order for the check to be any good. And that's how hope is this morning, all right? You can talk hopefully, and you can think hopefully, but sooner or later, your hope has got to be based on something. There's got to be something standing good behind your faith to make it worth something, or else, if you don't have something to base your hope on, you are literally hopeless. So something's got to stand behind your hope this morning. Just because you have hope doesn't mean that it is a real hope. This morning, we're going to talk about a real hope that we have as God's people. How much hope you have is based on what it's in. Oftentimes, throughout 2020, we have found that our hope has been based on things that will let us down. Maybe your hope has been in politics, or maybe your hope has been in your money or your job. And in 2020, all of those things have been fluid, haven't they? I mean, none of those things have been stable throughout the year that we've lived. And if your hope has been in those things, you've been let down. And that's why it's important that your hope be in something that's not going to let you down. You know, every time that LSU plays, I hope they win. Every time they play this year, I hope they win. But I'm just going to be honest with you. LSU hasn't given me a lot to hope about this year. And even though I'm hoping that they're going to win and they won by a shoe, as Brother Nate mentioned yesterday, I mean, it was a Christmas miracle. Evidently, somebody was praying and the Lord came through with a shoe for them yesterday. But based on how they've played, my hope really didn't stand up very much. I wasn't expecting much to happen even yesterday. Why? They haven't given me anything to be hopeful about. And so my hope was not very deep or not very strong. 
as much as I hate to say it, you Alabama fans that are here this morning, your hope probably is a little bit stronger than mine. Why? Because your team always seems to give you something to be hopeful about. Your team has produced something, and your team can repeatedly give you something that, that your hope can stand behind, something that's sure and something that's strong. I'm glad that I can't see my wife's face right now with the mask on, but she's probably giving me the evil eyes and that smirk that means I'm going to be in trouble when we get home. This year hasn't given us much to be hopeful about. If your hope has been in your job or maybe people or politics, you have no reason to have much hope because your hope was based on something that wasn't sure. Understand this today before we get into this. A baseless hope is simply a hopeless dream, all right? A baseless hope is simply a hopeless dream. You say, well, I hope this and I hope that. If there's not something good to stand behind your hope, your hope is just a dream, all right? I love to dream. I love to dream about the deer that's not going to walk out and I'm going to get to shoot at. I like to dream about the 60-something Mustang that I'm going to have one day. I love to dream about those things, but to be honest with you, I have very little hope that I'll ever have one. Why? Because, you know, the track record's not very good. I've, I've lived 40 years and hadn't got one yet. Your hope's got to be based on something. And if your hope is not based on something sure, then all you literally have is a hopeless dream. Hope is not a feeling because, you know what? Feelings come and go, don't they? Yesterday I had a buffalo chicken pizza and it gave me a feeling, but it wasn't a good feeling. It was just indigestion. Feelings come and feelings go. That's remedied by a little bit of Tums or Rolaids or Pepto-Bismol. Hope is not a state of mind. Why? Because our minds can be changed. There's styles that we've liked, people that we've liked that we don't like anymore. Our minds can be changed. So hope can't be a state of mind because our minds can change. And then hope can't be in things because things can go away, can't they? I hope your hope's not in your health and your hope's not in your bank account because those things can all go away. I read last night about the stock market crash in 1929. Now, it triggered the Great Depression, and I read this quote, and I thought it was quite interesting uh, what they said led to that. Here's what they said, overconfidence during the roaring 20s created an unstable stock market bubble. And it was that word overconfidence that stuck out to me. Here was all of these people investing all of this money and speculating in things that were not going to come through, and all of that speculation created this bubble, and that overconfidence during the roaring 20s created the perfect circumstances to be let down during the Great Depression. You see, that's where their confidence was at. And tons and tons of folks jumped off of buildings, jumped into rivers, committing suicide, taking their life. Why? Because their hope was in something that can be taken away. So your hope can't be in things. That's why Proverbs 23, the Bible says, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. Be careful putting your hope and your trust in something that's not because riches make themselves wings. Have you ever broke a $100 bill? Some of you are like, what's that? All right? It's a, it's a bill that means you got 100 of them. All right? Really neat. It's got Benjamin Franklin on it, I believe. It's been a while since I've seen one because my wife keeps those close to the vest, you know, and that's good for our family, by the way. But that, that genuine $100 bill, when you break it, it disappears, doesn't it? And you're thinking, I came to the mall today with $100, and I walk out, and I have a handful of receipts and no money left. Why? Because riches make themselves wings. They're here, and they're gone. Your hope better not be in money this morning because things can go away. Hope has to be in something you can hold on to and something that will stand good for it. Now, I want you to notice what verse 18 says. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie... We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope. To lay hold 
upon the hope. Do you know what we're doing this Christmas season? We're celebrating the season of hope. It's not about the gifts that we give each other. It's not about the songs that we sing. It's not about the food that we eat, even though all of those things are good and they're great in their place and in their time. We're here to celebrate the hope that comes only in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, watch this, that we have the opportunity, verse number 18, to lay hold upon the hope. Look, it's not a feeling. It's not a mindset. It's something that we can possess this morning. The Bible says that we can lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. God sent us something. Aren't you glad this morning that we can put our hope in? And it's not money that can disappear. It's not people that will let you down. It's not preaching that can be bad. Listen, God gave us hope this morning in his son that we can possess. What did he say? To lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. I want to tell you this morning, God took drastic measures to ensure that you had something to put your hope in. God went through drastic measures. What did he do? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was giving the world hope through Christ. That's the only hope for the world, through Christ. What does verse number 19 say, or verse 20? Whether the forerunner is in us, for us entered, even Jesus, there's our hope. The Bible says we can have that hope this morning, but it's only through Christ. And I'm thankful as we enter the message this morning that we have something that we can hold to. That we have a hope that we can cling to. The Bible says that we can lay hold on. No matter what happens in this world, there's a hope you can hold on to. There's a picture I've showed you before. I want to show you right quick before I give you the three points today. Um, as I told you before, I was a wimp at, at an earlier stage in my life. And I'm not ashamed to admit it because I'm not a wimp anymore. So how do you know you're a wimp? Because I did not like roller coasters. They scared me, particularly ones that dropped. I didn't understand you people who like to ride things where you thought you were going to die. I just thought something's wrong with you. You need to get saved. Definitely, that's what it is. And then, and then I meet my wife who enjoys things like that. And the only way that I can be a man to her is to start riding rides like that. There's one particular ride down there at Disney that's called the Tower of Terror. I've showed you this picture before, but I want you to see something in particular this time. You go up 13 stories, and then they drop you in this elevator in the darkness, and you're supposedly having a good time. Now, I've learned to like them. My wife has taught me to like them. But I want to show you a picture this morning of us on the ride. And I'm the guy in the back right with his hand up in the air and his eyes closed. All right, that's still when I was a wimp and I had to hold on to something. You notice my right hand is up in the air. I sit in that seat every time. Let me tell you why. Because there's a handle on the left and there's something on the right for me to hold on to. All right, I don't know you people just sitting there riding, you know, having a good old time. No, I got to be braced down, holding on to something. The floor's about to drop out from under me. For goodness sakes, I need something to hold on to. And so we're getting ready in line. I'm counting the squares of where I need to be to get to that seat. I don't care if it's a kid or a grandma. I'm going to bowl them out of the way to get to that seat. Why? i got to have something to hold on to. You know, the floor's about to drop out from under me. And so here we go. I mean, when we get off that ride, my hand has the grips of the grate in my hand. I mean, you can see the grips in there. Even about an hour later, you can see it in my hands. Why? The floor's dropping out from under you. And you got to have something to hang on to while you ride that thing out and you get off and you feel like a man because you finally rode the roller coaster that your wife said you were too wimpy to ride. Here's what I want you to understand. Who knows? Look, 2021 may not be any different than 2020. You better have something to hold on to. Look, if we didn't know 2020 was going to be like this, we'd all been hanging on real good around January 1st, 2020. We didn't know that. And all of a sudden, the floor drops out from under us. And many, it's dropped out from under us many times in 2020. But thanks be to God, verse 18 says, that we have a hope that we can lay hold upon. And this morning, we're going to look at that subject of taking hold of hope. 
I'm going to show you this morning how you can take hold of hope and you say, well, I'm already saved. But look, just because you're saved doesn't mean you take hold of it. This morning, you've got to be holding tight to the hope that only comes through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you how to do that this morning in the message. At the very end of the message, I'm going to show you the key where you can have that hope for yourself. Now, notice what the Bible says in verse number 18. Or verse 17. Let's read it first. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show us, show unto the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, here it comes, we might have a strong consolation. Now, the first thing he's showing us here is why we need hope. Now, if you'll notice verse 17, it says, God more willing to show us. God wants to show us why we need his hope because verse 18 is a very important word you've got to see. The Bible says that we might have, notice that four-letter word, have. Have means possess, does it not? That we might have who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Number one this morning, if you're going to take hold on hope, you need to understand the purpose of hope. That's number one. The purpose of hope this morning is in that word in verse number 18, consolation. Consolation. Do you know what hope does for you? Hope gives you consolation. It consoles you. In order for hope to do its job, it's got to be able to console you. Now, can I ask you something this morning? In what you are hoping in, to get you through this year and through this life is what you are holding on to, able to give you consolation in spite of any circumstance. You need to ask yourself that question today because who knows what's around the corner? I'm serious. Look, all these years they've joked about zombie apocalypses and, and they started selling bullets for zombie apocalypses. I'm thinking about heading down to academy, checking it out. Who knows what 2021 is going to hold? You better make sure that your hope can give you a consolation in spite of the circumstances you're living in. It better not be in your money. It better not be in your job. It better not be in people. Your hope has got to be more substantial than any circumstance. Can what you're hoping in today and what you're holding in to, or holding to today, can it sustain anything you may come in contact with in 2021? This virus, oh my goodness, it has thrown us a, a curveball. And so often, boy, it has shook our faith. But I'm glad that we have a hope. The Bible, if you'll keep reading in verse number 19, the Bible says it's an anchor for the soul. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. You know what that means? Our anchor is going to hold in spite of your circumstances as long as your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 20, even Jesus I saw a lady with a shirt on the other day. I couldn't help but laugh. It says, may your coffee be stronger than your daughter's attitude. <laughs> Knowing the daughter, I was thinking, you're asking a lot of your coffee. <laughs> you better put two tablespoons over in that cup. You're going to need it. I really wanted to help her with that, but, uh, you know, the Bible talks about taking a dog by the ears. Don't mess with something that's not your matter. So I didn't mess with that matter and left it alone. Look, you need something a whole lot stronger than coffee. You're going to need a hope that's going to anchor you regardless of the circumstance. That's the purpose of hope, to be a consoler. The Bible says that we, have, we might have strong consolation. I remember when I was a kid in the, in the gumball machines, they sold rabbit's feet. Do y'all remember that? Anybody else remember that? I didn't just dream that up, did I? They were kind of dyed different colors, blue and purple and yellow. You're talking about so politically incorrect. I mean, we live in a politically incorrect world selling rabbit's feet in a gumball machine for a quarter. And you carry that rabbit's foot around in your pocket, or maybe you were lucky enough to find a four-leaf clover, and you find that four-leaf clover, and you carry it around your wallet, you carry it around your purse, and it's going to bring you good luck. 
I hate to tell you, rabbit's feet and four-leaf clovers are not going to stand up against whatever 2020 has left and what 2021 may, may hold. You're going to need something that can give you strong consolation. I find it ironic and almost funny that the government calls it social security. Because I want to tell you something. There's nothing secure about social security. You know, if you're hoping in that, we need to talk after the service, all right? I don't want you to get let down when you get ready to retire and build a mansion based on your social security. Why? I'm not sure it's going to be there, all right? I'm not sure it's going to be able to console you when you get ready to retire and build that log cabin on the lake. I'm not sure it's going to stand good. You better make sure your hope's not in that. You better make sure your hope is in the only hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he gives strong consolation. Let me ask you again. Can what you're holding to this morning console you in spite of any circumstance? Maybe it is a cancer diagnosis. Maybe it's the loss of a spouse. God forbid the loss of a child. Probably some of the most unconsolable things I can imagine in my life. I'd rather get sick. I'd rather something happen to me than to lose my daughter or to lose my wife. Oh, no. I can't imagine anything consoling me in that dark hour of my life. The Bible says there's strong consolation that God gives through the hope that we find in Christ. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 through 5, I want you to listen to it. The Bible says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. I want you to know that word all is a very big word. It's only three letters. The Bible says that my God is the God of all comfort. You know what that means? That means he's great consolation. It goes on to say who comforted us in all our tribulation. Wait a minute. There's that word all again. Who comforts us or gives us consolation in all our tribulation. Listen, wouldn't you like to have some of that today? That you've got something in your heart and your life that you're holding on to that anchors your soul no matter what comes your way. There's not been a week that's gone by since March that you haven't got a phone call or watched the news or saw something where someone needed great consolation. I mean, people becoming sick and people passing away. Heard just this week of more people passing away from this virus that's going on. And oh, so many need great consolation today. And I hate to tell you, there's not anything this pastor can say to console them. But I'm glad that I can tell them about one who can. And who can give them strong consolation, which hope they can have as an anchor for their soul. Psalms 42, I want to read this for you. Uh, I was reading this this morning about David. And uh, sometimes I can see myself in David. Not in the good times, usually in the bad times, I see David in myself. David says in Psalms 42, one, as the heart or the deer panteth after the waters, water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Listen to what he says. My soul thirsteth for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. Sounds like 2020, doesn't it? My tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Where is thy God? Feel God forsaken. Keep reading down in verse 5. He answers himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He says, you know what? Why am I cast down? Why am I bothered? Listen, why is my, my, my lip dragging the floor? Why am I down in the dumps? Why am I walking around like somebody who has no hope? He says, why art thou cast down? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. I love the word yet. 
know what it means? In spite of. I'm going to hope and I'm going to praise God in spite of what I'm living through. Why? For in him, the Bible says, is the help of his countenance. Aren't you glad we look at our Father? You know, we look around at one another. And man, we're frowny faced. Frowny faced. I mean, we're sad. Things aren't going well in our country. We've got all these problems and don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And we're frowny faced. And you look around and everybody's kind of frowny faced. Aren't you glad when you look up to God that his countenance is not frowning? Aren't you glad when you look up to God that his countenance, his brow's not furled? He doesn't have a ball spot on the side of his head where he's been scratching his head trying to figure out what to do. God's not wringing his hand and his palms aren't sweating. And you look up there and you see God smiling still. Why? Circumstances don't affect him. And David says, they don't affect who my God is, who my help is. Then you know what? I'm going to yet praise him anyway. You see, the purpose of hope gives us consolation. Verse 18 says, strong consolation. You look in the book, you look in Webster's, and the dictionary tells us that the word cons- consolation means this, the act of consoling or alleviation of misery. The alleviation of misery. Well, there's been some miserable times in 2020. The times we had to stay home and not be able to come and be in this building together. The times we had tornadoes, we were without power, we had hurricanes come through. There's been some miserable times in 2020. But you know what? The Bible says God gives us strong consolation, and consolation is the act of consoling and alleviation of misery. Aren't you glad that our God can give us a hope that alleviates our misery? That's what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. <clears throat> what if Christ says, look, I'm going to save your life, but I'm not going to save your soul? I'll save your life, and I'll look after you, and I'll walk with you, and I'll fellowship with you in this life. But look, when you draw your last breath, you're on your own. Well, you know, I appreciate it, and it's more than I deserve, but knowing there's an eternity out there, and you're going to spend eternity in hell, that'd be a miserable thought. Knowing that you're going to live this entire life, and at the end of this life, and you draw your last breath without Christ, you're going to die and go to a devil's hell? Oh, that'd be hard, hard to get excited. Even be on the roller coaster trying to have a good time. And then all of a sudden you remember, oh, yeah, when I die, I'm going to hell. That's what the Bible says. We'd be most miserable. But aren't you glad we have hope beyond this life? The Bible says if we in this life we have hope only in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But we shouldn't be. Why? Because we have hope in this life and the next. Why? Because Christ gives us strong consolation. I read a story a while back about Sir Thomas Lipton. He's the tea guy. If you enjoy tea, you can thank Sir Thomas Lipton for that. Uh, one of those Englanders from across the pond, obviously a multimillionaire, and he was a yacht racer. He raced all of these yachts and had all of these trophies, obviously had all of this money. And on his deathbed, he said this, I'd give up every trophy in my collection for the one I haven't got. That is a hope of heaven and eternal life. Here's a man about to leave this world and draw his last breath, and without Christ... Go straight to a devil's hell. And he says, I'd give every trophy in the case to just attain the one that I don't have. And that's the assurity of knowing that heaven was his home. You see, he didn't have the consolation. Why? Because the consolation only comes through Christ. There's no consolation outside of Christ. Can I tell you? Look, I talk to folks sometimes. They'll have troubles in their life, troubles in their family, troubles in their finances. And usually I try to approach it through the word of God. All right? I think oftentimes, if you go to the the root of the problem, it's usually a spiritual problem. Why? Because my God shall supply all of your needs. Amen? He says that. 
He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. And so oftentimes when we find ourselves not having what we need, it often means that maybe things are not the way they should be between us and our Savior. That's the truth, all right? And I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, look, here's what we need to do. Look, I'm going to help you with your finances. We're going to work all this out. But look, you've got to get more faithful to the house of God. How can you expect God to bless you when you're not faithful to him? And all of a sudden, here's what they say. Don't bring the Bible into this. Don't bring the Bible into this. You know what I tell them? I can't help you. Because there's no consolation outside of Christ. If you reject Christ, you're rejecting hope and the only consolation. That's it. Look, money can console you in this life. Your job, your friends, a Hallmark card can console you in this life, but only Christ can give you strong consolation in this life and the next. That's the purpose of hope, to console you. Watch this. I'm going to give you the second thing. How does it work and why does it work so well? If you'll look back up to verse 13, I want you to see something. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Now watch this. Verse 16, for men verily swear by the greater, and an oath of confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Now watch this. How do we settle matters when we swear, all right? I'm not talking about you swear words because none of you use swear words, right? Amen. That was an easy one. You missed it right there, all right? Some of you, the altar will be open in just a minute. You need to make an appointment, all right? We're talking about swearing in like a court. When you make a vow or an oath, what do you do? You put your hand on the Bible, don't you? Because you're swearing by something greater, the Bible says that when God made Abraham a promise in verse number 13, he could swear by no greater than himself. Watch this. The reason the consolation is so strong is because it has the backing of God. He's the one backing it up. You could swear by no greater. Look, God is the co-signer for your consolation this morning. You ever went to buy something and didn't have good enough credit? 16-year-old kid, I wanted a deer camera. I wanted one bad because that was going to give me the edge. This is back when they were 35 millimeter and they, you had the little roll of film that you had to go to Walmart and wait an hour to get developed and you're just waiting to see a bunch of pictures of crows. That's usually all it was, crows. And I remember I wanted to get one Big Buck Sports hat on where the trampoline place is at and they were $250 and I went and I just thought you signed the papers and you paid the note and everything was good. I filled it out. It came back across the fax machine. Denied. 17-year-old kid, man. My feelings was hurt. I thought they were calling me a criminal or something because I just didn't have any credit. I was 17 years old. Watch this. Talked to my dad. Told my dad about it. Dad says, look, son, if you'll be willing to pay that note and you'll pay for that camera every month, every month, every month, which I did, he said, I'll put my, my, my name on that paper and I'll co-sign for you. I said, co-sign? What is that? He says, well, that's when I put my name on the paper. It makes it worth more. It really gave it all the worth because mine had no worth. He put his name on the paper. The lady says, sir, you're good for $1,500. I'm like, whoa, Yeah. Let's get a camera and a gun and all that. Dad says, no, we just came here for a camera today. Man, when he put his name on the paper and he backed it up, oh, it opened doors for me to have way more than I could have on my own. And you're here trying to find hope in your job and money and possessions. Look, that's why we chase that stuff. Because we want it to bring something to us to provide something for ourselves. You can't do it. Why don't you let your father, the Bible says he swear by no greater, which is by himself. If God backs up your consolation this morning, that check's not going to bounce. Your hope's not going to be denied. But you've got to make sure he's the one giving you that strong consolation. God says, I'm backing it up myself. So number one, notice the purpose of hope. God wants to give you consolation today. No matter what you're facing, lost or saved, God wants to give you consolation. But notice, if you're going to take hold of it, verse 18, the Bible says... We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now, this is very important. 
you know, it's kind of like a Christmas gift. I'm sure all of us have bought a gift for somebody. Uh, some of you get, get busy, all right? Don't wait till the last minute, all right? Let's, let's get about it, get our wives the gifts that they kind of want. My shopping is done for the first time this year, and I've got three quarters of them wrapped. Uh, the other ones I've just got hid right now, and I can't bring them out because she's watching. But I'm doing pretty good this year. And there, oftentimes there's some gifts I want to get from my wife, but I'm not sure where to get them from. I hear them talking about them, but I, look, I don't go on Pinterest, all right? I'm a man's man. No, not really. I don't go on Pinterest. I don't know where to find all of this stuff. And it takes me a while to find it. But once I find it, I do have a Pinterest account, okay? Don't get mad at me and say bad stuff about me on Facebook. When I do find it, I'm so excited, and then I go and get it. Now, notice where the Bible says our hope is going to come from. The Bible says who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Notice those words, set before us. You see, when we were lost in our trespasses and sins, dead in our trespasses and sins, hope was out of reach. You can't reach hope of yourself. Hope has to be provided for you. And notice what verse 18 says, the last three words, set before us. You see, the only way you can have hope is for somebody else to provide it. Number two, notice the provider of hope, the provider of hope. Verse 18 says, it's been set before us. Somebody brought it and set before us. This morning I went and checked my mailbox on the way here uh, in, the, uh, in the main office, and I found three of the most beautiful little Christmas cookies. They're in my box. And so whether they're misboxed or not, they're mine now, and they're on my desk. Man, I was so excited. Somebody put those in there for me. They weren't there. Somebody brought them and put them there, and I'm going to enjoy them over a nice hot cup of coffee when we leave here in a couple hours, all right? Some of you just died smile. We're in church. It's all right. You got to miss last week, all right? Let's enjoy being here this week. But you know why I had those wonderful cookies? Somebody else provided them. They, I, they wouldn't have looked that good or taste that good if, if somebody else hadn't have put them there. You know, hope is a lot like that. Hope doesn't naturally occur in life. Think about it. You live in this life. We live in a sin-cursed world, and it's hard to find hope anywhere. 2020, it's been hard to find hope in anything, hasn't it? Aren't you glad the Bible says that hope has been set before us? Somebody has provided it. And that somebody is God through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know what he was doing? That picture we have up there of hope, that manger. Do you know what was sitting in that manger? Hope. Do you know who put it there? God. For God so loved the world that he gave, you could it's just easily say, for God so loved the world that he set hope right there before us. He said, hey, here it is. I provided it for you. You couldn't provide it for yourself. Oh, there's no good. Your credit's denied. You can't stand good to be a strong consolation. But there's hope in Christ. Aren't you glad? An anchor for the soul. I was thinking the other day, somebody asked me the other day about going hunting. I hadn't gone on my hunt yet and asked me what I wanted to hunt. I have a bucket list of hunts I want to go on. Uh, one of the things at the top of my list is a buffalo. I want to kill a buffalo. I'm talking about a real one, not one of these, these pent-up buffaloes in somebody's pasture, you know. I want to kill a real one. You know, climb out of the prairies and, you know, shoot that buffalo. I want one in my office, a big old fuzzy buffalo. All right? I've been hoping on a buffalo for years. To go on a buffalo hunt, I've been hoping, hoping, hoping. And I'll sit there in my tree stand in South Mississippi, and I'm looking down, and, man, I'm just hoping one day to kill a buffalo. But I'll tell you something. Ain't no buffalo going to walk by around here unless you got one and you ain't told me about it. And then we got a problem. We need to talk, all right? It's not going to happen. 
That's a hopeless. I'm sitting there dreaming. That's not going to happen here. The only way I'm going to kill a buffalo in South Mississippi is if someone goes and ties it up, which I wouldn't mind, brings it out, turns it loose, and lets it walk by. It ain't happening if somebody don't provide it. You get what I'm saying here? All right? That's the way hope is. Hope doesn't happen if somebody doesn't set it before you. And that somebody is God. The Bible says to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. I'm so thankful for our church and our people. I, I can't tell you. I'm going to do something for all of you. When I, I don't know what it's going to be, but i got to do something for all of you. It's going to have to be small because there's a lot of you, okay? And when you start giving away stuff, you're going to have more people show up. I know how that works, okay? So i got to think this thing through, maybe an M&M or something like that. But uh, we've had some rough days in 2020. You know, I wasn't even here a year when this whole thing broke out. I just don't even know everybody's names when this thing broke out. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is kind of inconvenient right now. Couldn't you just hold it back? Let me get to know everybody a little bit better. Learn how things work around Central Baptist Church before you let a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic come through. And there's been some rough days. I'm not going to lie. There's been some days where it was hard to find hope. And I go back to my office, and there on my desk would be a, a little post-it note or a note from one of our teenagers. And a full letter one day written to me from one of our teenagers taped to my door. So I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. I know this is tough and just want to encourage you. And all of a sudden, swelled up a little bit. All of a sudden, got a little fuel in my tank. All of a sudden, I felt like getting back in the fight. All of a sudden, I felt like, you know what? We can beat this thing. All of a sudden, I felt like our church was not going to collapse under the pressure of this virus. What happened? Somebody provided hope. Somebody provided it. Oh, I couldn't find it of myself, but thank God for people who provide hope, and I want to do the same thing for other folks. Folks put donuts in my box. Man, that's not much better hope than a donut. Cookies, Oreos, brownies, I have found them all. I need a bigger, I, I feel like the food is being constrained by the smallness of my mailbox. I figure if I had a bigger mailbox, man, we might get a whole fruitcake or something over in there. But it's amazing how little notes and encouragement, text messages from people, calls from people. Man, it just kind of lifts your spirits. What happened? Somebody provided hope. That's the way it was when we were lost. Couldn't find hope anywhere. That first Christmas morning, hope was set before us. Luke 2, verse 25, the Bible tells us about a man by the name of Simeon. I think I preached on him one of my first Sundays here. The Bible says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, listen close, waiting for the consolation of Israel. They were waiting on the Messiah. And notice what they called him, waiting on the consolation. That's what Christ is. Christ is our consolation. He's our great consolation. And they were waiting, listen, they were waiting for that hope to be set before them. And oh, God blessed him to be able to find that hope. Without Christ, mankind, all of us set in darkness. The Bible says, for all have sinned. That's each and every one of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Watch this. Key in on that word short, our arms were not long enough to reach out to hope. We come short. Oh, how we wanted it. Oh, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Oh, I want to, I want to have a home in heaven. I want my family to be saved. And we reach, we reach, but we couldn't reach it. Why? Because we've come short. Do you know what the Bible says about our Lord in Isaiah 59? I love this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, save neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. When my hands were not long enough to reach out for hope, his hands were. And his hands reached all the way down from heaven through his son, 
and provided hope. The Bible says he set it before us. I love reading about the world wars. Try to learn from our past, you know. I think it'll help us in our future if we just learn from our past a little bit. I was reading a story about Auschwitz the other day. Over 1.1 million people put to death there, died there. I read a story about one man who had worked all day long in that concentration camp, and they just worked him and worked him and beat them and beat the hope out of them. They were just beat down, beat down, and finally they would just execute them and kill them. One man, he was, had enough of it. He said, I'm not going to live this way anymore. He said, I'm fixing to go over that wall. I'm going to climb the barbed wire and run. And his friend looked at him and says, you know, they're going to shoot you down before you get across the wire. Nobody's ever escaped. There's no way you're going to get out of here. They're going to shoot you down. You're going to die. He says, I know, but I can't live like this in this hopeless state. And so I'm going to take my life in my hands, and I'm going to attempt to die free. That very moment, the man put his head down, and he's crying, thinking about what he's going to do. And his friend took a stick, drug the stick across the ground, true story, and made the sign of a cross in the dirt. And all of a sudden, that man found the courage to keep living. Not long after, they were liberated, and he got to go free. Somebody just took the moment to share hope. You know, a pat on the back probably wasn't going to do it about then. Hallmark card, as good as they can be, wasn't going to do it. Cookies, donuts, I ain't going to do it. He needed the cross, the hope that was set before them. And you know, I, I want to talk to our church just for a second before we close. You know why God has, has left the church here, specifically Central Baptist Church? We are here to go around Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Let's just go draw some crosses in the dirt. That's why you ought to smile in spite of your circumstance. That's why you shouldn't complain and gripe. You know what? Letting your light shine is more, listen up, letting your light shine, it doesn't work too well when we've got that grumbly look on our face. We're griping and complaining about what the world is and we're all the mandates. I get it. I don't like any of it either. But look, I'm here to draw crosses, not frowny faces. All right? Crosses give hope. Frowny faces make you feel like they're one of them or you're one of them. Folks, there's people who need hope this morning. That hope has been set before us. That's why Matthew 5, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men. Hey, show them some hope through your counsel and your countenance. Number two, the provider of hope. And finally, let's look down to the last thing, and that's the shortest. So I'll give you a little bit of hope that we're winding down. Amen? <clears throat> some of you got that. Some of you will get it on the way to get your chicken in a treehouse. You look down, and it says the hope has been set before us. So you're thinking to yourself, seems like a done deal, right? I was lost, dead in my trespasses and sins. Jesus came to die, so boop, I automatically now have hope. Uh, it's not quite that easy because the word you've got to see in verse 18 before we close. <clears throat> the Bible says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we, <clears throat> what's the next word? Might have a strong consolation. Now you look at that word might, it means strength when you look at it as a noun, but let's look at it as a verb and the word might, when it's a verb, means expresses possibility. How often do we as parents use that one? Dad, can we go to the zoo? Hey, we might. As a youth pastor, I learned to use that one. That one and maybe. Those are my best ones. Hey, hey, can we go to Disney World? Maybe. Maybe. I didn't say no. Saying no, it's just like, pfft. 
it's over, no chance, no hope, no possibility. And somebody says, hey, can we go do this? Last night we drove by the zoo and saw the zoo lights. And Molly says, hey, can we go to the zoo this week? I said, hey, we might. Do <laughs> you know what that means? Possibility. Possibility. Watch this. Hope is 100% effective. We see that here. It's 100% a possibility. You can have it, 100% possibility, but it's a might, which means you have to decide whether or not you're going to lay hold upon it. That's number three. Notice, if you will, the possession of hope. The possession of hope. It's there. The possibility is there. Hope is there. Hope has been set before us. And that, that child that was born that first Christmas, hope was set before us. There it is for every man, woman, and child. It's whosoever. You can have hope. But wait a minute. You've got to decide to lay hold upon it. It says to lay hold upon the hope which is set before us. You see, God chose to offer it, but you've got to choose to accept it. The only reason you have to leave here today hopeless is because you wanted to. Because hope has been set before you. That hope is strong consolation. Verse 19, the Bible says it's an anchor for our soul. And can I tell you what hopelessness could be summed up in two words? If you want to sum up the word hopeless, there's two words that paint the clearest picture you'll ever find. The word hopeless simply means without Christ. That's hopeless. You're not hopeless until you're without Christ. Your home's not hopeless until your home is without Christ. Your children are not hopeless until your children are without Christ. You're not hopeless until you're without Christ. By the way, that doesn't just mean lost people. It means saved people as like. The other night I was preaching a, an ordination for Brother Josh Henderson. Very excited about him taking his first pastorate. And uh, Brother Stephen Earle was one of the preachers preaching along with me there. And I was preaching with him. And uh, he said something I thought that I wish I had said. You ever hear one of those good quotes and you wonder, why can I think of that? You know? Max Lucado, I think he's reached his limit on good quotes. Mark Twain, all these other guys, good night. Give some of us to the rest of us guys around here. He said, you know what? How many of you, when you leave your house to go to work, get 10 miles down the road and realize you left your cell phone, now don't raise your hand. How many of you are going back for your cell phone? He said, most everybody's going to raise their hand. I'm going back for my cell phone. How many of you, when you leave your house and you're on your way to work and you've left your wallet or you left your purse, you turn around and you go back to get your wallet or your purse? He said, but how many of you will leave your house in the morning on your way to your work, you've yet to spend time with Christ, you've yet to pray, you've yet to read your Bible, and you just keep on going? Why? Because it's okay to leave that behind. Good gracious. Man, that hit home with me. Why? Because I have left the house in a hurry before. How many times do I go back and get my phone? You see, you have to choose to lay hold on Christ. You've got to choose to take him with you. You know, there's a lot of moms and dads, look, you're saved, but you don't take Christ with you to work. A lot of our young people, college students, look, you don't take Christ with you to school. How can you expect to have a hopeful day if you don't take Christ with you? Listen, that's not lost. That's saved people. That's why John 15, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Don't try it. Don't try it. That's why Jesus in John 4, speaking of the woman at the well, I'm going to hurry, but hear me out. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. There's somebody that needs some hope. And he's talking to the woman at the well who's living a hopeless life. She's by herself at the well at midday. Nobody wants to go with her because of the way she lived her life, she was a quote-unquote sinner, just like all the rest of us are. Here comes Christ. What does he say to her in John 4, verse 10? Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee. 
is that you got to ask. You got to ask. You know what that is? That's laying hold upon the hope. Two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, and I promise this is it. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Four times in one verse, it used the word hath. You know what that is? Possession. Can I ask you, do you have Christ this morning? Do you have him? Have you laid hold on it? Look, I'm not asking you, do you know of him? It's not a mindset. I'm not asking you if you're familiar with him. I'm asking you, do you have him? Have you personally trusted in Jesus Christ? 1 John 5, 13, the next verse says this. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, not think, not hope, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can have that. Just as the lost here this morning can have eternal life, you can leave here having hope that will anchor your soul through any problems we're going to have in the upcoming year. You can have that. The same goes for the saved people. You can leave here with a firm grip on the hope that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have him? Do you have him? If you died right now, are you 100% certain that you're going to heaven? Well, I've I've heard of that, and I believe in God, not good enough. You've got to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Can I ask you this? Do you possess a hope? Every one of us are hoping in something. Maybe you're hoping in this election, in the Supreme Court. Oh, I hate to tell you, look, your hope is misplaced. Maybe your hope is in your bank account. Maybe your hope is in friends or family God forbid your hope is in this pastor. I will let you down. Your hope needs to be in something that can stand good no matter your circumstances. That's only Christ. The Bible says that he wrote these things that we may know that we have it. You can know that you have eternal life today. And for the saved, can I ask you, how good is your grip today? Have you laid hold on it? Are you using God a little bit like a life ring? You're going to grab hold of it when things get bad. What if you don't have time? What if you don't have time? This morning, God wants us to take hold of hope. And that hope is in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We read where God made a promise. He made a promise that he offers hope. He offers you hope today. If you're lost, he offers you eternal hope through his son, Jesus Christ. You can know for sure when you leave here today that you're on your way to heaven. In just a moment, we'll have some of our men standing down front with Bibles. If you're here today and you don't know that you have hope beyond this life, oh, then you're going to be most miserable. But you can have hope through Christ. Why don't you come find your way down front this morning? Meet one of the men who has a Bible. One of our ladies, my wife, is down front. She'd love to help you know how you can have hope and you can lay hold on hope. Maybe this morning there's many of you here that are saved today and you're trying to go about your life without Christ. You don't include Christ in your plans. You don't include him in your day. You don't include him in your family. You don't include him in your schedule. And you're trying it without Christ. The Bible says without him you can do nothing. And you're going to find that out. Why don't you lay hold on hope this morning? Why don't you give your family hope by clinging to Christ? Don't let go. Clinging to Christ. And then the good news is once you cling to him, the Bible says he's an anchor to your soul. He will hold on to you. Father God, I thank you this morning for your word, and I thank you so much for Christ. For, Father, setting before us the hope that we need, that we can have strong consolation, and we can have comfort in any trouble, both in this life and the one to come. 
but we can know that, Lord, our home is in heaven. If there's one here today, Father, who's unsure about their salvation, they don't know for sure they die, they would go to heaven. They don't have that consolation. Help them to come down this morning. Let someone take the word of God and help them find hope that is set before them right now. And for the saved, Father, help us not to try this life, this year, the next year. If you tarry, help us not to try it without you. Lord, I pray that we would lay hold upon the hope that you have secured for us. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed.